0: now
1: Will be giving lecture. It is titled the "Power
0: of Speech: Words that Touch the Heart." Please enjoy.
1: Thank you for jumping in, Ernesto Prabhu. I was thinking I would have to introduce myself. i first like to offer my respects to all of you and ask for the blessings of the senior devotees here tonight to say something that's beneficial. Do I have your blessings? Yes. Okay, good. I'd like to also congratulate the new initiates. We have Chaitanya Lila here, Krishna Nam. And then Radha Sundari is actually part of teaching the first Sunday school. It's going on right next door, right now. And then we have Govinda Madhava here. Haribo. And also, this this TV, do you all like this TV? This was... um, Inspired by Govinda Madhava, so he had this idea, and we're going to be able to use it for songs and verses and titles, and that was very nice. Hi, welcome. Yeah, um, some nice lectures entitled "The Power of Speech: Words That Touch the Heart," and speech has power, uh, as we know. Um, there's things that are are working underneath the surface where there's lots of thoughts and feelings and they culminate in desires and then these thoughts and feelings and desires are then expressed through words and so one way to look at the interactions of people in society is that they're expressing their different thoughts, feelings, and desires to one another. So sometimes this takes the place of one individual to another or from within a family um, and within societies, within nations. Uh, America was kind of started that way. Um, The founders of this country, they wanted to they had a desire to do something different, so they broke away from England, and they, d- they had the Declaration of Independence. They said, this is what we want to do, so they expressed, they communicated their particular desires to live a certain way. So speech is, is an expression of desire, and because there's so many desires, everybody has different feelings and desires, and then the words are communicated in so many ways. And as we know, speech doesn't always—it doesn't always imbibe the truth. Speech can be a covering. Um, as we all have experience, especially in our society, smooth salespeople, they'll as fast talking salespeople that can get you to buy a product. Um, and they may say anything. So we can understand and see and we've experienced we've been burned. Maybe we've been part of burning others at some point through speech. So I'd like to examine a few ways um, that speech can actually um, distract us. And I'd like to describe a few stories that Srila Prabhupada told that are very instructive in this regard, about how speech may not always be genuine. Oftentimes in this world is not genuine. Um, Actually, the root of this world is just in disingenuous, so that comes across through speech. So, um, one, one story Prabhupada told was about a group of friends in India, and there was a, a young man named Bhagavan. And the group of friends decided that they were going to trick Bhagavan. So they were going to make him think that he was a ghost. And so... He came to one group of his friends, and they all backed away and said, Oh, ghost! It's a ghost! And he said, I'm not kind of a ghost, I'm, I'm Bhagavan, I'm your friend. So then he went to another group of friends They said, Oh no, here's the ghost. And so in this way, all day long, his friends were calling him ghost. So he started to think, Am I a ghost? Wow, am I, am, did I leave my body? <laughs> And this, this particular story could have many different implications but what was being communicated to him was that he was a ghost and he was not a ghost. So immediately when we take birth in this world we're being communicated who we are. Here's your name, here's, here's your nation, here's your society, here's who you are. And just like the story of the ghost, we are actually none of those things. The first lesson in Bhagavad Gita is that we are not our body. We are an eternal spirit soul. So that story is very, very powerful when we can realize that society has been telling us who we are from the very beginning and continues to label us in a way that we are not. Who we are not. There is another story that Prabhupada told is that in India, they have many different rivers, um, such as the sacred rivers, the Ganges, Jamuna, um, Sarasvati, so many rivers. And they have boatmen that regularly take across people across these rivers. So at one point, there was a, a simple boatman, and he was taking a great scholar across the river and so on this boat ride the scholar was asking he says sir do you have you studied astronomy do you do you understand the stars in the sky and the formations he said no sir I, I don't understand he said oh well 25 percent of your life is wasted so then he said do you, have you understood chemistry how different compounds come together and form different um, combinations in different ways. He said, no, I don't don't know this either. So the scholar said, 50% of your life is wasted. So then some big clouds started forming in the sky. And a big storm was coming. So the boatman, he asked him, he said, he asked the scholar, sir, do you know how to swim? And the scholar said, No, I don't know how to swim. He said, Well, 100% of your life is wasted. Because this is a big storm and we're going to capsize. And if you don't know how to swim, you're going to die. So, this particular story, again, can have many meanings. But one is that society is telling us what's important, right? Because this great scholar was thinking, My knowledge is so important, right? So that's being communicated to us from an early age what is important but we learn in spiritual life that at the end of the day um, these things are so important what's more important is studying into the nature of the soul into consciousness into where we're going as spirit souls not the very transitory nature of this world where things are changing in every moment. We identify with a snapshot in time our material bodies. And then we take that to be very important. There's another nice way to analogy is that it's like going to the airport and setting up a business and building a home and having a family and not realizing that the airport is meant to jump on the plane to go to the destination. So, that is the way the speech is very powerful. Because we are believing what is important. What society is telling us is important. When really, maybe it's not so important. Maybe it's not the most important. So, by by the way, Prabhupada told such wonderful stories. So I give all credit to Srila Prabhupada for these wonderful stories. (laughs) There's another instructive story and there was a simple sudra the sudra is the worker class in the uh, Varnashram Dharma system in India and he didn't speak Engli- any English but he did know three words yes no and very good but he didn't even know what they meant but he knew them so one time he got set up He got accused of murder and he went to the court and he was thinking in his mind you know if I if I speak English here they'll think I'm very very um, learned and prestigious and they'll know that I didn't do the crime so the judge asked him said did you kill the man he said yes and then the judge said, did you have any accomplices? He said, no. And then the judge said, do you know that you're going to go to jail for a long time because of this? He said, very good. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this story um, speaks to the cheating propensity that people... In the society, although they're very limited, have limited senses, perception, subject to illusion, um, always commit mistakes, though they have so many defects, they have a tendency to put forward like they know very much. Especially in our society, we have easy access to, to information, like Google. So you have to know what you're saying. If somebody asks you a question and you don't know, that's a big blow to the false ego. So, especially in Kali Yuga, the cheating propensity is very, very prominent. And this can actually destroy lives because we give people wrong information, we're misleading people. And we get misled. So Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, he gives the solution. He speaks of the austerity of speech. Why is it an austerity? Because we have a propensity to speak. That's the nature, not only of people, but all living entities. You listen to all the insects, all the birds, the animals, they're all communicating. And so it's an austerity to be able to control the speech. And Krishna describes how this is done. He says we should speak words that are truthful. And what is that truth? That truth isn't uh, subjective truth or my truth because that's simply a product of speculation. That may or may not be true. real truth that Krishna is speaking about is absolute truth. There is absolute truth. And the process of acquiring knowledge according to the Vedic culture, according to Lord Krishna, is coming down through the the disciplic succession, the great self-realized souls, the saints, these sadhus, um, they are bringing the pure message that's delineated in the shastra. The shastra is the um, revealed scriptures that are actually given by Lord Krishna. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita that I am the compiler of the Vedanta. I am the knower of the Vedas. All the Vedas come from me. Knowledge comes from me. So this is the way that a spiritual person acquires knowledge. In a humble mood, finds somebody who already knows and then inquires with submission and humility to um, then please those who have the knowledge. When those who who have the knowledge are pleased, then they're apt to reveal to us. To give to us that knowledge. So, Krishna says, Speak words that are truthful. And he says, Speak words that are pleasing. So, the truth can sometimes be hard to take, right? Especially if we're identifying with the false ego, identifying with our body for so many years. Somebody comes and says, You idiot, you are not your body, you're a spirit soul. You know, shakes you. It can be hard. To hear the truth because of deep attachments to the body, to this material world. So, Krishna then says, Speak words that are pleasing. So, the idea is is we want to speak words that are truthful, but it has to be pleasing too. Because if it's pleasing, then we can reach somebody. There's kindness there, there's compassion there. And then, Krishna says, We must speak words that are beneficial. So we could be speaking something that's truthful and pleasing. Sometimes we hear a very good speaker talk about a subject matter that they're expert in, and they're very pleasing to hear. Very professional, very nice way of communicating. Sometimes very funny. Communicate very nice very pleasing, and it's true. But is it beneficial? And Krishna describes in Bhagavad Gita what is Beneficial. Actually, the Bhagavad Gita, the whole text is describing what is most beneficial for us. Abandon all other occupations and surrender in love to me, Krishna says. Bhakti yoga, the yoga of love and devotion. This is who we are. Eternal souls, part and parcel of God, meant to connect with God, meant to serve, have a reciprocal, loving relationship with God as a person. This is beneficial, connecting us with Krishna. So truthful, pleasing, beneficial. And not agitating to others. Especially in our society, there's a culture of speaking very harshly. We grow up like that. Um, In some degrees, it's ingrained in us oftentimes. And because we've had that dealt to us, oftentimes it comes out in us, speaking harshly. Krishna actually says something very, very Powerful, very, very strong in Bhagavad Gita. He says those who are expert at insulting others, that's a demonic nature. That's the nature of a demon. Oftentimes, those people are praised in our society that can cut other people, can insult other people. They have the roasting, you know, comedy, roasting sessions. So whatever, the most I can insult you, then I'm most popular. Krishna says this is demonic nature. And if we want to get insight into how people speak in the spiritual world, then we can hear Krishna's words in Bhagavad Gita. We can uh, hear how the the saints speak to to one another in Srimad Bhagavatam. We can hear how Krishna interacts with his friends, with his different associates. And... We can read about Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. If we read some of those conversations and how they interact, we can get a whole nother look into sweetness. It's a totally 180 culture. If we read Chaitanya Charitamrita, how these people speak to each other. And then the last solution Krishna gives is regularly reciting Vedic literatures. Because a devotee, a spiritualist, is rooted in truth, they want to stay connected to the truth. So they dive in, they read, and they hear from the Vedic literatures. And the key ones are those literatures about bhakti. And that's what Srila Prabhupada gave us. Prabhupada was a bhakti yogi. And he gave us the essence of all the Vedic literatures, which speak about this highest truth. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, there's no truth superior to me. I am the highest truth. And everything you do should be due to serve me, to please me. So that was the essence that Srila Prabhupada focused on. So one really great power of speech is diversion. Diversion. Because people are expressing their their mood, their desires in so many different ways we get influenced by that we come into the world, we have our own mood we have our own desires and then we associate with other people and they have their own desires their own feelings that they're expressing and and we're influencing one another so the power of speech is that it can take us away from what's really important it can divert us. We can become inspired by something that isn't really our best benefit and we can spend our whole life doing that. Prabhupada gave another analogy. He said the frog is croaking and that croaking of the frog, the snake hears it and the snake knows where that frog is and then attacks it and kills it and eats it. So that snake represents time. While we're busy engaging in materialistic connections, communication. Time is passing and time, can sw- time swallows us. So we can see that we can be deviated our whole life from what's really important, speaking about things that aren't essential for us, that aren't really beneficial for us, that don't really help us, don't really connect us with that connection we all really need which is pure love of God. Unmotivated, uninterrupted, pure love for God. So, I'd like to just give one other analogy of how we can, we can see the situation. You can imagine that our, our minds are like a, it's like a sponge. And the speech, the words, the vibration that we come in connection with, we absorb all of that. So that sound vibration that we're absorbing, that becomes part of us, that affects us. And so if if a sponge is absorbing dirty water, when you squeeze it, dirty water is going to come out. If the sponge is absorbing pure, clear water, that's going to come from it. So think about our life in that way, that we can arrange our life in such a way that we absorb the pure spiritual vibration as much as possible, chanting the holy names of Krishna as much as possible, hearing about Krishna as much as possible, reading about Krishna as much as possible. There's another um, great warning given. There's something called Gramya Kata. Gramya Kata is village gasa. Village gossip means that we get involved in petty material drama that totally can destroy communities and lives. Because the material world operates on this principle of going behind one another's back and speaking. And it may or may not be true, because oftentimes as hearsay, this person says, I heard from this person, and they heard from this person. And what happens is trust is lost, community is lost. Community means to commune. So we can't commune in a nice, sweet, blissful, and positive way if this grumya kata is going on. It's not possible. So for a spiritualist, um, that type of conversation they see it's very dangerous a spiritualist doesn't want to get involved at all in that type of conversation spiritualist wants to go within and focus on themselves and help others try to see the best in others to forgive to move on and to go back to the formula we spoke about that Krishna gave, the austerity of speech and we were mentioning how we can gain a higher taste by hearing about how the Lord speaks and the conversations between the Lord and the devotees if we get that taste we're going to lose taste for the Gramyakatha the materialistic drama we start gaining a taste for spiritual sound vibration so someone may say well yeah the sponge example is nice But there's so much dirty water everywhere how do i avoid that you know how do i avoid absorbing so much vibration well we can do our best to stay in the spiritual sound vibration so one thing we can do another thing is is when we gain a higher taste and we gain the favor of the lord the mercy of the lord the lord will protect us more because he sees that we we sees we want to disconnect from that so he'll satisfy our desire to be protected and he'll give us discernment he'll allow us to see what is beneficial and what is not he'll allow us to see clearly what is illusion and what is transcendence he'll give us that vision, he'll give us that strength he'll give us that perception we can see what is pure spiritual vibration and what is not When we can see the pure vibration next to the illusory vibration, then we can um, easily filter that in our mind. We can filter out the negative illusory vibration. And we can actually use it to learn. We can learn um, and, and be reminded of Krishna, be reminded of how Krishna's illusory energy works. So... I guess we're in here. Does anybody have any questions or comments? Oh, I had a comment. You know, yeah. know, I've seen some research as a product.
0: think that there's a relationship between the Rig Pettit and the Avesta of the Zora store? There's a certain fire worship here. It's not
1: the same language there or something, but there's a relationship between the Rig Pettit. That's a good question, but... Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna not gonna speak about that right now, but if you want, we can we can talk more. So yeah, yeah. Does anybody have any questions about tonight's topic? Yes.
0: Can an impure and imperfect person be a pure devotee, or do you kind of have to be pure and perfect to be a pure
1: devotee? Well, the process of, of spiritual life is one of purification, and part of the purification. is is chanting, hearing and chanting. Those are are actually the fundamental, the key processes, especially in, in Kali Yuga. So, no matter what level of Krishna consciousness we are, we should never abandon hearing and chanting about the Lord. And when we're hearing and chanting about the Lord, if we're doing it sincerely, then it's pure. Maybe we're not completely on a completely purified platform, but as we're engaging in that to the best of our ability, the Lord accepts that. Do you have anything to add to that, you do.
0: Yeah. Uh, very insightful question. Uh, say it again? Can an impure and imperfect person be a pure devotee or the okay. other to be pure and perfect? So Answered your own question. I don't think so. What? Does, Christ, does chanting Hare Krishna purify the heart? Yes. But does chanting Hare Krishna purify the consciousness? Yes. From the heart of the consciousness comes thoughts and actions and willing. That becomes purified, right? So you have answered your own question. But, but things are black and white. you are not either 100% or 0%. We're all 50%, 60%. 70 percent. Yeah, maybe screen. you should go discuss it with yourself. We've
1: already
0: answered your own question. So, uh anyway. yeah. Yes. Um, the qu- my question is about uh, <coughs> the name the name of God Krishna and kind of it might not tie into the spe- this spe- try I want it to tie in so that's a <laughs> question. And you can t- you can just not answer if you if it <laughs> time, but we can just move on. but um, I guess like what's so common today is that there's all these different names of God. You know, and for someone like me, like I I was an atheist and then like so whenever someone talks about the highest like power, I guess the only word that has come to my mind is god is the word God. And we always talk about how Krishna is this name that God had said was like the most beautiful name. Like the, you know, like I think I've, I've heard I've heard you guys say that. You it's like it means all-attractive in, in Sanskrit or something. Mm. And I just wonder, using the power of speech, not only with like other people, but maybe even with ourselves. How do you, you know, uh, how do you kindly, respectfully? talk to someone and say that this is and and prove that like this is the uh, this is the true name of god that we
1: should like say if that makes sense yeah so you know generally in in spiritual circles including you know christianity um, the name of god is revered as is, is in judaism as well so most people actually in society are religious if you look at polls, most people are very few people actually are atheists more agnostic but if if we simply communicate that god is unlimited and he has unlimited qualities and attributes and powers so he also has unlimited names and people can generally understand that Um, and also well another point we make is that god is a position and the names of god they can be more personal like, what aspect of God do we want to connect with? Yeah. Um, you can say maybe that Right.
0: Because, like, I, I, I just, with, this ch- with the chanting, it's like, I, I do believe that it is, you know, it, it purifies the mind and it connects you with, I've heard Gideonata talk about I've heard there's like this kind of disconnect so then like chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna like oh it, it like feels wonderful and amazing yeah. but it like I wish there I could bridge that gap in like this chant it was like what if I was just like singing like God you know energy like, but I don't know I
1: don't yeah know. well I'll just answer briefly then we're in because we're a little over time yeah. um, it's a process yeah. and actually the whole Srimad Bhagavatam is describing the greatness of God in the beginning and then as you're going through then it gets more towards the personal aspect of God. So it's good in the beginning to, to understand both aspects. That God is very great. Bhagavad Gita, he says he's the source of everything. It's very, very great. But then, um, as we're chanting the name, because not only is it a channel to God, the names are non-different than Krishna. Krishna is absolute, so we're actually directly communing with Krishna through chanting the names. So through that process of chanting and hearing, again, doing the things that we've been describing, associating with devotees and reading, and as we engage in the practice um, and we, we go deeper into the practice through formal initiation, particular point, which is also part of the process, um, then Krishna reveals himself to us and we begin to understand the personal form of the Lord and it becomes revealed to us and at a certain point that connection becomes so so endearing so sweet that we actually forget that, that Krishna is God that just becomes Krishna although he is God but we begin to associate him just as um, sweet Krishna yeah does that help at all? Okay, so thank you all so much. We'll get ready for the RT. Thank you. Thank you for introducing me. I was going to introduce myself. (laughs)